Welcome back to Documentary First, an inside look at a documentary filmmaker's journey. I'm your host, Jason Rugg, joined, as always, by our documentary filmmaker, Christian Taylor. Hey, Jason Rugg, how are you today? Good, glad to be here. Great to see you. And we're also joined by Robbie Davis. Hey, hey, good to be back. Hey, you did such a good job last time, Robbie. You're, like, you're in now. Oh, what a relief. <laughs> one of us. One of us. <laughs> you even got a fan on Twitter, so uh, that's pretty big. I think that makes it official. I think if I get a call out on Twitter, you know, it's it's solidified. Absolutely. Which I think that, that might have also been my first call out on Twitter for this. And I've been doing this for years. <laughs> so I'm not jealous or anything, but <laughs> maybe I'm a little jealous. Well, hey, no, I, you know, maybe we we played off each other so well that they just yeah, couldn't yeah. help but but a, a comment. <laughs> team effort, team effort. <laughs> well, I'm glad you're both here. It's really awesome. Yeah. We're happy to be here. Yeah. And uh, Christian, um, I think we just kind of need to to dive into this because we kind of have a lot to get through, right? So yeah. um, do you kind of want to lead the charge into this? Absolutely. So since the last time we... Um, talked. Uh, Jason, you know this a little bit. Robbie, you too. Uh, my life's been a little bit topsy-turvy, uh, which does throw a wrench into production things. I want to share a little bit about that because that's true no matter what production you're on. It does affect things. It is going to happen. It made me think, um, well, let me just tell you what has happened. So um, exactly uh, a week ago, Monday, we learned, well, I guess now it'll be two weeks. I'm not sure when everybody's going to be listening to this. But anyway, a week ago for me, um, in the afternoon, my husband came home from work and we suddenly got a phone call that his brother had had a heart attack and that they were trying to revive him. And then 20 minutes later, we got another call saying he had passed away. This is my husband's younger brother, uh, 48 years old. He had a wife and a 10 year old daughter. And it was, just so incredibly shocking. It's not something you ever expect to hear. Uh, and it just, you know, your mind just does not even know how to comprehend that information. I'm still trying to process it as, as I know his whole family is. Um, and that then takes over everything, your emotional time, your thought time, your schedules, and everything else goes out the window. When you lose somebody close to you, it just, nothing else is important. And you realize the fragility of life and you realize uh, the importance of your close relationships and everything else melts away in that time. And that kind of is what happened for me. So um, everything went on pause with my work life for the most part. Um and it reminded me a little bit about when we started The Girl Who Wore Freedom. This We've now been on a, a five-year journey. And starting in 2018, by the time we were in a year, just a year, several people on our team had deaths in their family, whether they were parents, grandparents, uh, cousins. And I just couldn't believe it. I mean, I think there were like, you know, just about everybody on our team had lost somebody. And it did affect the timeline and the workflow of, of the team. Because if one person is down and isn't able to be there, it affects everyone. And what I had to learn then, I had to relearn now, which is you just have to accept that as a reality of life. And projects will work 
um, and, you know, the work will progress as it's able to, but it's super important you give everybody space to be able to process those losses. And everybody was very gracious and did that with me. Um, and there were times when I absolutely could not get out of work things during this time. And what I mean by that is we had scheduled the Curhi military weekend in Tacoa, Georgia for this past weekend. And this has been advertised for months. People have purchased tickets for this. Um, it's been, you know, it's kind of, uh, it's kicked off the weekend. So it was a very big deal. I had purchased a lot of inventory books and DVDs knowing that I would sell those going into the weekend. And I just couldn't see canceling that event regardless of what was going on with us. And I was just praying that the arrangements would not conflict. And as it turned out, uh, the visitation was on the Monday after the weekend. So we decided as a family that I still should go ahead and go to that event and then from the event go to the visitation. And that's exactly what I did. I was so thankful because we have one old team member, Sam King, who a lot of people will recognize his name and know who he is, uh, and Heidi Kinder, who is a new uh, addition, a wonderful new addition to our team, um, joined me at this event. And I, quite frankly, you guys, it was the best event in terms of like um, actual event organization by my team as well as uh, sort of how we did in sales. Um, and a lot of that was, um, I believe, due to Heidi being there and Sam being there. Uh, so um, I was blown away by this weekend. And it all started with us showing the film on Thursday night. We had an audience of about 75 people, which is a good, hefty audience for us. Uh, and this audience, of course, is focused primarily on the stories that we are telling. Um, if you don't know what the Curhi Military Weekend is, I'll school you up. But the Band of Brothers uh, first originated, um, you know, in 1943 at Camp Tacoa in Tacoa, Georgia, right next to Curhi Mountain. And their training took place at the foot of that mountain. And they would have to run up and down that mountain as part of their training, three miles up, three miles down. Uh, in case you're wondering, it takes around 45 minutes if somebody is in good shape and doing it well. Um and so this weekend began to be a celebration about 22 years ago, I think, where they would come back with the original Band of Brothers, be at this place, and just kind of celebrate their achievements early on. And um, they started recreating some of the original barracks that were there and using some of the old material from those barracks. And they also um, imported the barn that they lived in, in Aldeborn, England, uh, which is 100 years old this year. And uh, they've re, you know, set it up back in this, this little museum, Turkey Museum. So every year, these World War II veterans from the Band of Brothers would come back and this is the first year they had no veterans. Two of them passed away right before the weekend. So it was very sad for this group of people. And, and I think everybody was wondering, as they are in Normandy, what happens when these veterans pass away? Are people still going to gather? Are they still going to remember? 
But to the organization's credit, despite Hurricane Ian, the event still went on and people did still come. It was a shadow of itself, its former self, I was told. And that's what made our success this past weekend so remarkable because the attendance there was small but mighty um, in that once the audience was there, they didn't leave after the film ended. They sat for at least another 45 minutes, if not an hour, asking questions, talking about their own experiences in Normandy or with the Band of Brothers, um, listening as I talk on and on. And at the end of that event, I had two people that had come up and given us $1,000 checks and then a couple of others that gave us $100 in cash here and there. And then over the course of the next few days, we probably sold, I don't know, 40-something DVDs. We sold uh, 17 books. Uh, and so with, you know, with all of those things, the donations and the sales, plus, you guys, we sent out a newsletter last week making our, like, needs known for money for the rights and the insurance. Mm. And our old friend of the film and executive producers read that, and she donated $2,500. Despite her current battle with breast cancer, she was oh, mindful wow. of us. And because of her donation and the donations of these people at Curhee Military Weekend, I am delighted to announce that we can now pay for the ENO insurance and the rights for the stuff in our film. So, wow. um, even though in the midst of this, my um, brother-in-law's funeral um, and this crazy weekend, which I mean by that, during the weekend, my youngest son, Josh, ended up having an emergency appendectomy. And so my husband and I were oh, managing gosh. that while all this was going on. Um, oh, and by the way, on the good news side of things, Hunter decided to surprise me and join me at the event, which was amazing. So my head is like swimming awesome. in this discombobulation of good news, bad news, you know? Uh, and so, yeah, through all of that, um, it, we were just incredibly blessed. Heidi Kinder is a strong woman of faith. And she kept saying to me, um, God is going to provide. God is going to provide. I see his provision this weekend. And, and she was right. Um, and I do want to give a shout out to the Lord for providing for our needs for this production once again. So, um, so there we are today. When I finish this podcast, I'm going to go and make those purchases. And I want to say thank you to all of the people that made that possible. So that's today's update. What a great wow. update. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, a roller coaster of, yeah. of awful and, and great and amazing. <laughs> just, it kind of went all over the place. Well, um, thank you for being so vulnerable and sharing all that with us, Christian. Um, that yeah. is really important and valuable because, you know, it's one of those things where people, you can kind of forget that people are people <laughs> and we all go through highs and lows. And so to, to have that 
told in that way, I think is, is really important and valuable. And yeah. I thank you for, for sharing that, even though it was probably painful to, to talk about. Yeah, I appreciate that uh, very much. It It's this mixed bag. I mean, I think it's just the feelings are so confusing, and I think it is very difficult to work. It's been hard for me to get my mind around work stuff, answering emails or phone calls, because, you know, it just doesn't feel that important. Um, but I'll say our work here at Documentary First always grounds me because it is important. When I walked away from that weekend and I saw the lives that were touched and the people that thanked me, and I mean, this is an entrenched, deep-rooted military community, and they were telling me we've never heard this side of the story, and please keep telling these stories. So, um, you know, I'm so thankful because I do feel like the work we are doing is meaningful enough to keep going despite the difficulties. So. It definitely is. Yeah. Hmm. Well, it, it kind of feels weird to to try and transition to another thing after that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, Christian, I know you wanted to talk about story. So can we transition into to that? How do you how do you want to head into that? Yeah, I was thinking about this um, this weekend because people were telling so many stories. And there were a lot of people there who were talking to me about turning their story into a movie. And it just reminded me back to when we were putting this movie together, and I realized how hard it was when you have an hour and a half to whittle down all the different stories that you have into one thing. And when I started, I had no idea how to write a movie script. And so literally, I'm Googling on the internet how do you write a movie script, you know? And I ran across all these tutorials and places that they wanted to, you to buy this blah, blah, blah. Um, but then I did find one place where it just talked about, it was free information, and they talked about how the story elements for any story, whether it's book, movie, radio, whatever, are all the same. You have to have a beginning, middle, and end, you have to have a protagonist and an antagonist of sorts, um, and it has to, there has to be some sort of transition, um, you know, some sort of growth in the character, uh, something, you know, meaty enough that it challenges you to think or challenges your suppositions. Um, and then I was thinking about Robbie being on the show and how he's been with this Our American Stories thing for a really long time. And I think they've become masters of honing the story. And yes, it's in radio, but, um, you know, da uh, Robbie, your dad brags on you all the time about what a great storyteller you are. And so I just thought I, I wanted to ask you just to share what you've learned about how to craft a really good story. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Um, I coming into this, I mean, I had no idea how to. I mean, obviously, you know, we're sitting around a, a family dinner table or with friends on a Friday night. Like, you, what do you do? You tell stories, and so obviously, I had that that base of that. But doing it professionally, um, I mean, I moved down to Mississippi from, I guess, New Jersey or Pittsburgh, depending on how you look at it. Um, going, oh shoot, I'm I'm gonna have to. Yeah, I'm getting paid to do this, but I'm I'm getting paid to do this. That's that means there are expectations. 
Um, <laughs> and, and the thing that really came down to it at the end is, is remembering the humanity of it all. Um, because like you said, there's a beginning, middle end, there's a transition. Um, but the, the thing that makes a good story, a great story is, is there's gotta be an element that we can relate to the person telling it. Um, and it reminds me of, uh, I won't say her name, uh, but there's, there's this woman who we were going to do some work with, uh, at our American stories. And, uh, she was going to do behind the scenes work, but we said, Hey, let's like come on the show and tell us your story. Um, and so we tried to do that remotely a few times with, with a contractor and it just, there just wasn't, something wasn't clicking with her trying to tell her story. Um, and so we said, Hey, come into the studio. And, you know, I, I said, I'll, I'll interview you personally and, and we'll get your story down. Um, and it took three different times of me asking pretty much the same questions. Um, and I could tell she was getting frustrated and there was something where it was just like, she was trying to, and I was like, Oh, maybe if I asked the question this way. And so I'd, I'd phrase it differently. I still wouldn't necessarily get an arc. It would be these, um, almost truisms. It was like the lessons she's, she'd learned and she could tell you exactly, you know, the things, Oh, this is the thing that, you know, got me through, you know, whether it was, you know, God's grace or, you know, just like a grit kind of is the thing that she often would say, talk about that grit that her mom and grandma had. Um, but it kept like, there just wasn't, it wasn't coherent. So we get to the end of her telling it the third time. I'm sitting there going, oh my goodness, what am I, what am I going to do? I said, well, hey, thank you so much for your time. Um, I really appreciate that. And then, you know, we, we interacted with her, you know, and she was sort of in a sales fundraising type of role. Um, and so we, uh, interacted with her there and it was just, there were some things that just, you know, oh man, just something's not connecting again. And people are going, what in the world? Like we thought she was going to be a superstar. And I had this audio sitting in the back now that I just didn't know what to do with. And so I thought, no, I'm going to, I'm going to try and see if I can make something of this. And I sat down and listened to it again. I thought, oh my goodness. First of all, this woman has never had to tell her story. Her her life has been telling other people's stories. So she basically had been in my role. Um, and so I'm like, oh, she she hadn't thought of that. And so listening through the three different takes, I go, oh, there's something here. And so I, I pieced it together and I realized the thing um, that she, I guess the, that humanity element was, was she talked about finding your place, you know, and, and having an identity. Um, and her, her three brother, the first story she told her three brothers, uh, passed away over the course of her life two from car accidents at really young ages. Um, and then later on one had a degenerative disease uh, that he just l started losing function. Um, and so I'm sitting there, going, Oh, this woman, there's, there's this real strong sense of family, um, that we can relate to. And I was like, okay, maybe there's something there. Um, and then at the end of that, she was talking about how she just remembers growing up and riding horses around the family farm. And I'm like, oh, that's like, there's something there too. So I pieced together this, this story. Um, and I, I played it for the radio show thinking, okay, well, you know, hopefully, hopefully somebody's going to relate to this and it gets to the end of it. And our host is sobbing and it, it, I don't know what it was, but something in that loss and finding your identity and finding a place where you can call your own struck a chord. I was like, great. I was like, cool. Our host cried. What next? <laughs> and so, and so, we, so we put it out on the, the air and, 
I th- you know, the weird thing about radio is it's not like podcasting. You don't hear back. You, you don't have comments that people, you know, and even you don't you don't have unless it's a live show, you don't have listeners calling in uh, and we get emails sometimes, but we don't. There's a, spur- a person dedicated to that. Um, so I didn't hear any feedback until one day somebody said, hey, do you remember that story you told about the woman and with the brothers? I was like, yeah, what, what about it? And I'd forgotten about it because it was one of the I mean, you're putting out so many stories, you know, a month. Um, and they said, well, this person wrote in and said that they had, or, you know, later in their life and they're estranged from their sister and they never thought they would talk to their sister again. Um, but they heard your story about the, this woman's loss of her brothers and thought, no, I need to connect with my, my brother before it's too late. And I was like, oh, shoot. I was like, that, that was why that story was told. I was like, that, that's mm-hmm. why that thing. And so from this mess of stories and these three different takes where I was like, what am I going to do with this thing? I got to this, the, you know, the finished product and it goes, Oh, this thing was meant, even if it was just that one person, it was meant to remind them, Hey, you know, you know, those connections that we have, while they may grow sometimes gossamer thin, like they're still there. Um, so like, remember them while you have them. And, and there was that wild thing of me. And at that point, I know, I, I think it personally, I was like, oh, that's a lesson I can learn. And I know I've, I call my dad almost every, every day, pretty much just like he, he and I are, I mean, heck we, we text, I'm sure there'll be a text at some point from him today in the next like hour. Um, but it was just one of those things where, oh, that was the important, I guess, so go back to it, the human element, the like, oh, what's the thing that we all can relate to? That uh, this woman, you know, I I don't have, you know, siblings who have, you know, died in horrible accidents as a kid. Um, And I'm not at the age where, you know, we can have those things where she's gone through at her age. But at the same time, I go, oh, I've got some family that that like I I might need to, you know, be in better contact with. And, you know, Christian, I mean, that's it's almost this season that you're in right now. Um, it's that somebody telling a story where you go, it meets you where you are. And I think that's the most important thing about stories, whether it's, you know, Marvel movies and the, they're, they're huge and big. Uh, and yet there's something about the humanity of those characters that keeps people coming back, or maybe it's the escapism, but there's also, <laughs> there's also that, that human nature that, that, you know, those human interactions that keep people coming back. And then there's, you know, some very real, um, real life storytelling, you know, like the girl who wore freedom, who it's like, Oh no, these are, these are real people. These are real stories. These are real events that happened. Um, and like, that's, that's for me, that's the important thing about story, whether it's a fictional script or it's a documentary, or it's just, you, again, sitting around the table with friends or family. It's like, what can we relate to? Um, because if you don't yeah. have that, it's not a, <laughs> it's not a good story. Right. Well, it you're talking, what you're saying is resonating with me so much. And it reminds me, we we probably talked about this in the past, but it's always good to uh, to refresh. Um, I had such a similar experience with the girl who wore freedom. And the first one was that when I first began interviewing, I thought that I was a terrible interviewer because I would always get so emotionally invested in the stories. I would cry or I would show my emotion. And I thought, oh, man, I'm probably the worst. And um, I just but I could only be me. Right. And so when we got back home and we looked at all of our footage, um, the interviews with Danny 
our main character, were really not very good. Like, she wasn't telling stories well. And I was like, oh my gosh, it must be my fault. Like, it's got to be my fault. And so we're going to have to go back and do a pickup. And you know what? This time, I'm going to ask Flo Plana, who is French, to do the interview in French. And maybe that will help her tell her story better. And, you know, we'll get some good chunks. We get back home and it's the same problem. Like the interview was still like not so great. And in the end, we had to Frankenstein a whole bunch of things that she said together in order to communicate the idea she was always trying to get across. And I then did realize, oh, maybe it wasn't just me. Maybe there are other reasons here for that situation. Um, And then the other thing I realized over time was that bringing myself to this interview, um, emotion and all, actually helped the people I was interviewing be much more vulnerable. Uh, So in the end, I think my strength, though I thought it was a weakness, was a strength. It was truly feeling their stories, feeling their humanity. Um, And then taking that back, we were looking at all of these wealth of stories that we had. And each individual person's life had a beginning, middle, and end of their own story. But I couldn't for the life of me to figure out how I was going to weave all of these in into one unified story. Um, And what was the protagonist of that? Ultimately, we decided it was ignorance. um, And we had to demonstrate, we sort of had to take this viewer on this journey where, you know, in the beginning, it's really all of this negative hard stuff. Um, We go through a little bit of laughter and lightheartedness. um, And then we go back to, and we can clearly see how the French people's grief turned into gratitude over the course of time and learning the veteran stories. And it did kind of come together. But I mean, it took me weeks and weeks and weeks of wrestling with this and trying to figure out how to write it. And I think what I'm hearing you say, Robbie, is, you know, the tenacity that you had to be like, I'm not going to give up on this story because there is nuggets of good stuff here. And then figuring out as a writer, how do we take this person's testimonies and put them together in a in a single narrative uh, to get across the point we're trying to hammer home. Um, and that is a skill, a craft uh, that is not easy. And it can be super frustrating. And I think you you're exactly right that you have to look at the heart of whatever the story is that you're trying to tell. And you're saying, okay, here's the heart. Here's the nugget of truth. How do I implant that nugget of truth into the mind and heart of the people listening to this story? And then you have to figure out the pieces that take them on the journey to get them there. Um, I was watching Five Came Back Again last night. And I was listening to see, so so five came back. We've talked about this before. It's been in our DocuView Deja Vu, um, and it is about the five Hollywood filmmakers that got involved in World War II to begin telling stories. Some of them were for propaganda for the army, thanks to Robert Capra. Some of them, you know, John Ford, John Houston, um, George. 
Stevenson and William Wyler. All of those guys had different ways of telling stories. Um, and I think that it was William, it was either William Wyler or or John Houston, I don't really remember, but um, they, no, it was Robert Capra. Sorry, it was Robert Capra. And you and I remember this now because he does this in, um, he does this in It's a Wonderful Life. He is a master of taking you on an emotional journey and embedding the kernel of truth that he wants you to know into the heart of his films. Um, and I think that's where just such strong storytelling lives. Um, so, so yeah, great points that you bring up, Robbie, um, hundred percent spot on. I mean, Jason, have you encountered any of this, your type of writing and your type of stories with your projects is very different, but are, you know, any of them the same and talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I, um, this is all reminding me of, um, a great example of, of storytelling and, and, and resonance. Um, with a person. Um, have either of you heard of Jose Fernandez? Yes. The baseball player? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. No. So when he's a kid, he escapes Cuba on a raft with his mother. And they're on this boat, and they're trying to get to the mainland. And in the middle of the night, in the pitch black, he hears someone yelling that someone fell overboard. And him being the awesome person that he is as a teenager... He jumps into the water, not knowing who it is. This could kill him. And he saves this person only to find out it's his own mother. He saved his own mother wow. from drowning. Man. And that's an amazing little story, right? And then you get to Florida and he becomes a baseball player. And he is a major league, amazing, fantastic player. And then when he's 24, he dies. Mm. And when he dies, it's not just that he had a stroke and he dropped dead or something like that. He died in a boating accident. Oh, I remember that. And there's something about the fact that he rescued his mother from water and he was a hero. And then he died in water. There's something about that that just makes you feel. <laughs> there's something about that that makes you realize yeah. Yeah. maybe there's some sort of meaning to, to that moment. You know, that sort of thing. And it's an absolutely horrible story but it's it's a beautiful story at the same time and that's what story is right it makes us feel it makes us understand ourselves on a deeper level and understand each other on a deeper level and i think that that story is one of the most impactful stories that you can tell in like two minutes <laughs> it's yeah. it's so 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 impactful yeah. and yeah, I, I, I think of that. I think of there's um an episode of a podcast um, of Script Notes. I think it's like episode, it might actually be like episode 400 or something. They have it out and available. It's how to write a movie. And he tells that story in that podcast. And he goes, that at its core is what storytelling is. At its core, it's making people believe that this has some sort of reasoning behind it some sort of through thread, some sort of arc. Finding that arc and telling it is the is the challenging thing. <laughs> well, and I think it's so yeah. important because what you're talking about is vision. As yeah. creators, yeah. we have to have some sort of keen insight, keen vision to see 
how a story is beautiful, what the essence of it is, because it it is then, you know, our hearts and minds can be moved. I mean, of course, I'm a Christian. So for me, the greatest storyteller of all time was Jesus. I mean, he illustrates every single point he makes just about with a story, with a parable. And they are so right on point because he knows his audience. And that's another thing, knowing your audience and and what they can relate to, what their problems are, what they're moved by. And he would use everything known to his audience to try to get them to think differently about who they were and how they were to interact with each other. And I think that's what we do, we want to do with our storytelling. And I set that out from the very beginning with The Girl Who Wore Freedom. I wanted to change people's hearts and minds in some major way so that going forward, they could understand people better, be more compassionate, be more gracious, be more grateful. Um, remember the sacrifices of others, those things. And again, I think it's a special vision that you have to have as a filmmaker because you can have an idea to make a movie. Like I, I hear people all the time say, you should do a movie about this. You should do a movie about that. This would be great if you did that. Um, but at the end of the day, you really have to ask yourself, what will this story do and, and to its audience? You know, how, what value does the story bring for the future? Um, Yeah, so those are just amazing. I mean, just, I think our conversation demonstrates the importance of how carefully, how careful you need to be in thinking about story and in crafting it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, I mean, I'm sure there's much more we can say about that. Thank you, Jason, <laughs> yeah. for uh, the script notes. Why don't you tell everybody a little bit about script notes? Maybe they want to go and find out that episode. Yeah. yeah. Um, so script notes is a fantastic podcast uh, resource for anyone who wants to tell stories, but particularly anyone who wants to be a screenwriter. Um, they have um, John August who wrote uh, Big Fish and the new Aladdin mm. movie. And, you know, he's, He's very, very successful. And Craig Mazin, who just created um, the Chernobyl miniseries um, on HBO and Mm -hmm. uh, the trailer for his next series, uh, Last of Us, just dropped um, about a week ago. And it looks absolutely incredible. Um, So, yeah, I absolutely recommend um, How to Write a Movie is the name of the episode. Um, And let me see if I can find the actual number here. Episode 403, How to Write a Movie. It's on YouTube. You can just Yeah, we'll it put there. it in our nice. show notes. Well, Jason, is it that time? I, th- I believe it is for DocuVu Deja Vu. Excellent. All right. Um, why don't you start off, Jason? Okay. So I was kind of struggling to come up with something. I've been really busy. We've been moving my grandmother. I haven't had time to watch anything like Andor has been out on Disney plus and I haven't even watched any of the episodes and I so want to watch all the episodes, but I haven't had, I don't even know what that time. is. What is that? Oh, it's, it's, so it's a new star Wars show. Oh. It, it, it looks so good, but I haven't got yeah. a chance to, to it's, watch. It's more or less how the rebellion started. Yeah. And yeah. that's like, it so yeah, cool. it's so good. <laughs> <laughs> but I have been carving out an hour and a half every Saturday to take a class. 
And that class I want to share because it kind of goes along with, with what we're talking about here. So it's Brent Forrester's how to write comedy television class. <laughs> and he only does these every once in a while. I think this is only the fourth time he's done it and it's live. You, you know, there's not recordings of it or anything. It's he does it live and it is incredible. <laughs> um, Brent Forrester, if you don't know who he is, he wrote on um, the office. He wrote on the Simpsons. He wrote on King of the Hill. He um, grew up a family friend, just happened to be the woman who created golden girls and <laughs> a bunch of other things. And so he's just soaked in this stuff for the last, 40 years and he's just absolutely incredible and he's teaching how to write comedy television and mm. you know a lot of the things are like okay yeah i've kind of heard that i've kind of heard that but the way that he's distilling it down and just being like these are the things that you need to make a character interesting these are the things that you need like he just goes okay um if you want to make a, a character interesting just give him a comic contradiction just something and he goes and it doesn't even have to be funny like tony soprano is a beast who murders people and he's also in therapy <laughs> he's just like that's interesting if you give and he goes um you know yeah. walter white is a high school teacher who's the most boring person you've ever met who also makes meth and it's yeah. just like <laughs> he's like you do that and you have an interesting yeah. character and then you design yeah. all your characters similarly um to do something that activates something in your in your character your main character right and mm -hmm. so that's just a tiny little piece of one of the classes and we're, we're four or three classes in at this point. And now like, he's like, okay. Um, so next time everybody watch casino night from, uh, episode two or season two of the office, we're going to break that down because I helped write it. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> that is so cool. You know, you get to hear yeah. a person who put together one of the most iconic shows of all time, break down a specific episode of it. So mm. I don't know when he's doing it next. I don't know if they're, but just what get it on your radar. What if platform? you're interested, yeah. <laughs> what platform? Uh, it's just Zoom. It's a Zoom webinar. So it's just like on his website. You just go sign up there and then it and costs like a hundred bucks and it's totally worth a hundred bucks. <laughs> okay. And what's his website? I think it's just brentforrester.com. Let me just check that. Forrester. Yeah. So you can just look up uh, Brent Forrester's writing class. If you just Google that, um, it'll come up with it's, you know, it comes up with the one that I'm in right now, which I don't think you can join midstream. Um, but yeah, so our started in September, it goes all the way through late October, maybe check back and see if they schedule a new one again after that. But it's really, really cool. It's really awesome. awesome. Yeah, Great. Okay. Awesome. Thank you. All right, Robbie, you're next. All right. Uh, so I watched the 2011 doc undefeated. Um, oh, I love that one. It's I, I was shocked. I checked our list. It's not on it. And I'm so <laughs> glad it wasn't. <laughs> um, we actually the guy who uh, uh, it's about Bill Courtney is from Memphis um, mm -hmm. and he went to Ole Miss uh, here in town. And it is this wild story. They talk about North Memphis and how since basically the Firestone Tire Company or factory closed down, I think it was in the I want to say eighties, nineties, it's been pretty much a, a ghost town, that area. And there's a, uh, a high school, um, hold on. What, what Manassas, Manassas high school. Um, and they had 17 kids on their team. I believe it was in 2010, um, which if you know anything about a football team, you need a, probably more than 17. Um, <laughs> and, and he comes in and his whole philosophy is not that football builds character, but that football reveals character. 
And so he's like, mm-hmm. my job as a coach is sure. I can teach you to be a good football player. I can teach you all the drills. I can you know teach you the plays, but he's like, I'm, I'm going to teach you to be good people first. Um, and so he has this whole thing where, uh, you know, one of his, his kids just came out of juvie and another one, like, I mean, uh, what else? There's this kid who is, uh, what was it? Um, I have it here. Where that? What's the point of writing down notes if you're if you're not going to be able to look at? <laughs> it's where hard. But I think it was like a, a three hundred pound kid who's like sixteen or seventeen, which is like massive. Um, and so it, the whole film weaves not only Bill Courtney and him being a coach and a mentor, but these kids' lives, and you get to know these kids. And I mean, they start the season. It's called Undefeated, uh, but they start the movie and they're zero and one. Uh, so, so like, huh, this is, this is interesting. Um, but the, the whole documentary plays out and, and how he, he goes, Hey, nobody expects anything from you inner city. Like he's very blunt. He goes, we're, these teams pay us, you know, to drive two, three hours away just so that they can have a win. And he's like, are you going to let them? And throughout the, do- I'm not going to give, give away the ending because the ending was shocking and I sobbed. Um, I, there are two points where I just absolutely broke down crying. Um, it's, oh, it's so beautiful. I mean, it was, it's, it's one of the most, like I, I went in and, and actually, so I, I know a guy who's putting a podcast together with him now. Um, and so he'd mentioned it in conversation. I goes, ah, I know what my next docu deja vu is. Um, and yeah, I, I could not recommend it enough. Like it is, it is, oh, the story is so beautiful. And it won the Oscar for best documentary, uh, feature in 2012. Yeah. I was just about to say that because it was actually my inspiration in terms of, I was like, you know, undefeated was this little nothing documentary and nobody really just like the football team, nobody really expected much of it. And in the end it won uh, best documentary at the Oscars. And I was yeah. like, if that can happen, you know, certainly, uh, <laughs> that could happen for the girl who wore freedom. Now I fully expected it to happen, but then we released into a pandemic and yeah. nobody really came to our screenings. And, so it did not happen for us. But yes, I echo that. Fantastic movie. Uh, very thought provoking, super moving and inspirational. So it's a movie that should not be forgotten and that should be enjoyed. So thank oh, you, and Rob. It's on Netflix. Yeah. Yes, that was going to be my next question. Where is it? Good. Awesome. It's on Netflix. That's awesome. Okay. Well, I kind of briefly mentioned this uh, before, but now I'm going to make it an official uh, DocuView Deja Vu Um you know, documentary. I just finished the mystery of Marilyn Monroe, the unheard tapes. And, you know, for whatever reason, good or bad, Marilyn Monroe has captured all of our imaginations at one time or another. Uh, And her story is just so incredibly tragic. Um, You know, and it makes you wonder just why, uh, why does something like this happen to a person this, you know, precious and dear? And when you listen to everything in her own words, like I, the reason I really think this story is interesting is because of the storytelling and the way that they wove this together. They took all these disparate interviews and things like that, put them together with her own language, um, as well as with people that knew her. And you could see the theme of her life. Um, you know, from beginning to the end, and you could 
understand why it ended, her life ended as it did. Um, super heartbreaking, uh, but also it made you think about the own pe- your the own people in your lives, like you know the own the people that are close to you, um, and how important it is to really pay attention to what's going on behind the scenes. Um, and really listening to people, watching people, and standing by them through hard times. Because I think if she had had people that had done that, uh, she may not have met the end that she did. So uh, The Mystery of Marilyn Monroe, The Unheard Tapes, also on Netflix. My recommendation. Awesome. Well, awesome. I think uh, I think we're pretty much done with this episode then. Do you have anything <laughs> else you want to cover, Christian? No. Well, let me just say real quick, a um, couple things. We do have some other events coming up that people can attend. On November 1st, I'm going to be uh, at the Alliance Francaise French Institute in New York City. Uh, it is a screening event for kids. However, if you are interested in coming, you can email me, Christian, at Documentary First, and we'll see if we can get you in. Um, the next thing on um, November 2nd, uh, it is now confirmed uh, the Girly War Freedom is going to be shown at a Delta UPS event in Atlanta mm. for Veterans Day. I'm super excited about that. It is a closed event, uh, but, you know, it's just it's an amazing opportunity. We're super happy about that. And then November 9th in Washington, D.C., there is an event at the French Embassy is where I think the location is going to be sponsored by the French American Chamber of Commerce, uh, where they are also going to do a screening event. So super happy and excited about that. Those are our Veterans Day uh, events uh, that we have coming up. The other thing we're going to start doing is we are going to begin releasing the DocuView Deja Vu lists. And we've, I mean, Heidi Kinder counted up how many uh, recommendations we have so far, and it's like over 80. Uh, I'm not exactly sure about the number, but um, they add up quick when you do three a week. And we're going to start putting those out for our Patreon subscribers. Uh, so, you know, if you haven't looked at our Patreon yet, check it out. Uh, you can join for as little as a dollar. Um, we would love you to join for five, 10 or $20. Uh, we do rely on that support each month. So it would be great if you could join us. And we're going to um, start sharing those with clickable links to take you to the documentaries and things like that. Um, so... Yeah, that's what's going on with us. And uh, we'll, the other great thing is Robbie and I, uh, Heidi, we're working behind the scenes to figure out how to retool the podcast to make it even better. So uh, keep us in your thoughts and prayers as we figure out whether the next steps for documentary first. So yeah. uh, that's it. Yeah. Well, awesome. Thank you all for listening to Documentary First, where we believe everyone has a story to tell and you can be the one to tell it. Yes, you can. Bye, everybody. See you.